I finally figured out the secret uh, to finding out. Um, I don't wear a suit very much. You know how I know that? Because when I do, people tell me, Mac, you sure do clean up rather nice. So I appreciate those compliments. Um, I'm not ashamed to tell you. Uh, I will wear suits. I don't like to wear suits. And when Kenny asked me to, to preach in his absence, uh, I feel obligated to wear a suit. And so I wear a suit. So uh, it is good to be with you guys this morning. It is good to be able to, to teach and share something with you that I feel like God's laid on my heart uh, to share with you, uh, our church family. Um, before we get into the meat of the message, uh, I like to do this with our students. And so in your, hopefully you got a bulletin. If you didn't, we may have some over there if you want to go grab one. Uh, but in your bulletin, there's a little, it's not a test. Somebody asked me, are you going to test us? It's not a test, all right? It's just simply an outline uh, so that we can stay on the same page and so that hopefully I keep your attention away from the meatloaf and baked potato casserole and, and that good stuff, all right? I'm not going to go over an hour. I'm not even going to go an hour. Um, somebody said, if you go over an hour, I'm going to start making funny faces and tapping at my watch. I'm not even going to do that, but... I just wanted to give you some guidelines uh, from where I'm coming from so that we can stay on the same page. Uh, and and uh, everybody likes fill in the blank, right? As long as I give you what to put in those blanks, all right? And I'm going to do that. I promise I'm going to do that. Uh, and so I'm excited about this. Uh, considering the, the world and the society that we live in today and the messages that we hear on a constant continual basis um, about this idea of absolutes. What is an absolute? And so in Galatians chapter 1, I'm hoping to, to reveal to you and share with you that there is one absolute truth in this world. And that absolute truth is there is no other gospel than the gospel of Christ. That is an absolute truth. We live in a, in a society today that tells us, hey, it's okay to think what you want, to say what you want, and do what you want at anyone else's expense, including yourself. That's the society that we live in today. Correct? There's a difference between opinion and an absolute. And here's what I mean by that. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. And I ask our students this related to another message uh, on Wednesday night. I'm going to give you two options and you pick one of the two, okay? You ready? All right. Coke or Pepsi? All right. Let me figure out what this thing's doing. Okay. Uh, Ford or Chevrolet? All right. I had, one, I had somebody go Toyota. <laughs> wasn't an option, but okay. Um, let's see. Uh, Pizza Hut or Little Caesars? Pizza. <laughs> All right. Um, I had, Larry asked me this this morning over in the, the fellowship hall. He said, Mac, do you want a cup of water? 
And I said, no, I'm, I'm more of a bottled water kind of guy. So tap water or bottled water? All right, of, of all of those options that I just gave you, can you tell a difference in those options? Can you tell a difference between Coke and Pepsi? You can't. I can. Some people say that they can't. Can you tell a difference between Pizza Hut and Little Caesars Pizza? Yeah, you can. You can, right? Can you tell a difference between getting in a Chevrolet and a Ford? Yeah. Yeah, you can. Can you tell a difference between tap water and bottled water? I can. I'm a bottled water kind of guy. Right? But guess what? All of those things are opinions. They're not absolutes. Here's an absolute. Guess what? Today is somebody's birthday. Right? May not be in here, but today is somebody's birthday. Guess what else? Today, somebody's going to pass away. I hope not in here, but somebody's going to pass away. Guess what else? You're not as young today as you were yesterday. That's truth, right? It's an absolute truth. Yeah? Here's a, 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 another one that, that I found uh, just recently. Not everyone can be right. Right? How many Facebookers or Twitter people do we have out there? Yeah, you're on Facebook or your Twitter. I've just found this out. Evidently, if it's on Facebook, if Facebook says it or Twitter says it, guess what? It's true. It's true. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Uh, Sandra's in here, and I would never call her out or embarrass her by, by no means. And I'm not trying to do this, but I'm just doing this to prove a point about Facebook and Twitter. The other day, it's about two weeks ago, after the snow that we, you know, the, the, the huge snowstorm that we had, you know, of the inch of snow. Anyway, some, I mean, just wise guy thought, you know what, on my blog, I'm going to predict in two weeks that we're going to have 10 to 12 inches of snow in the Carolinas. And he posted it on Facebook. And so Sandra's doing her thing one evening, and she calls me into the room, and she says, Mac, do you know next week we're going to get 10 to 12 inches of snow? And I said, nah, there's no way. Where, where did you hear this? On oh, Facebook. Did we get 10 to 12 inches of snow? Last week? No, nah, we didn't, did we? We didn't. The other night, there was this huge debate online between Bill Nye the Science Guy and Ken Ham. And Sandra, again, she says, Mac, did you know that this is going on tonight? It's online. And I said, Sandra, there's absolutely no way. Why not? Well, Bill Nye the Science Guy died like six months ago. There's no way there's a live debate between Bill Nye the Science Guy and Ken Ham. It's impossible. He died six months ago. Where are you seeing this? Oh, it's on Facebook. And so I did what I always do when I'm asked a question and I don't know the answer. I do a little research, right? I Google it. 
Bill Nye the science guy. And guess what? He's still alive. So Facebook was right about that one. He's still alive. And they had a debate. I love the message uh, that, that I'm fixing to share with you guys from Galatians chapter 1. And if you would, go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter 1. We're going to read that, that scripture there in Galatians chapter 1. And then we're going to jump into this study of why I believe there is no other gospel than the gospel of Christ. Let's start in verse 6. I'm reading from NIV. Follow along. Verse 6. Paul is writing to the church of Galatia, and this is what he has to say. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Verse 13. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism. Now I intense, how I intensely persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by His grace, was pleased, verse 16, to reveal His Son in me so that I might preach Him among the Gentiles. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. But I went into Arabia, and later I returned to Damascus. Let's pray together. God, thank You so much for Your love, Your grace, Your mercy. Thank you for the opportunity to be a part of this day, for the opportunity that we have to open up your word as a family. And simply just ask you, God, to come into this place, fill our hearts, fill our minds. God, would you meet with us now? Would you challenge us? Would you convict us? God, you know our own individual hearts. And you know what's going on, God. And you know what each and every one of us needs. And God, we just simply call on you right now to meet with us.
in this place. In Christ's name, amen. So there is one absolute. And that absolute is that there is no other gospel than the gospel of Christ. There is no other gospel than the gospel of Christ. If you look at the first couple of verses as Paul's writing to the church of Galatia, I love Love Paul's writings, his wordings, and and his tactfulness. In the 13 letters in the New Testament that he wrote, he always tries to start them off by saying, Listen, I come with grace, I come with peace. He was kind of like that that dad, you know, that, that you know you're fixing to get railed. I mean, you're just fixing to get your honey and wore out, Right? But he comes in and he says, before that, I want you to know I'm doing this out of love and grace. Did your daddies ever say that to you? My daddy never said that to me. He said, come here, boy. Get over here. It was, I know it was done out of love, but at that time he didn't say I'm doing this out of love and peace. But Paul always says, I do this out of love and peace. And then he goes on to say that I'm astonished. I'm taken back. I'm surprised. I'm in awe. Because you you have the gospel message. You've been taught the gospel message. You know the gospel of Christ. And yet there are people out there trying to pervert right? They're trying to tell you other ways. They're trying to teach you other messages, other ways to salvation. But I'm astonished that you're listening to it and that you're following in those ways, that you're allowing that stuff to creep into your life. And pervert your thinking towards the gospel of Christ. So here's the first fill in the blank for you OCDers out there. The gospel produces opposition. The gospel produces, it will produce opposition. It has produced opposition. When you look at the the message of Christ, the gospel of Christ over the centuries, right? Right? There's no other message that has been challenged more than the message of Christ, more than the gospel of Christ. It has been opposed, it is being opposed daily. How many of you, because of your beliefs in Christ, face opposition on a daily basis? How many of you daily are living your life to the point that people are seeing Christ in and through you, so much so that maybe they oppose it. Maybe they're going, wait a minute. Why why is he or why is she living their life so much differently? Then you have people on, on the other end of the spectrum that absolutely disagree, they despise the gospel of Christ and they will stop at nothing 
to see that message stopped. Now, I believe that I have one of the greatest jobs in the entire country, in the entire world for that matters, working with one of the greatest organizations in this world, and that's the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. We have close to 1,100 staff all over this world. And our job, our calling, our mission is to see the world impacted for Jesus Christ through the influence of coaches and athletes. And I firmly believe that coaches are some of the most influential people on the face of this planet. And I believe that athletes are some of the most influential people on the face of this planet. It's daily that we see kids wearing uniforms or jerseys of their favorite athlete, right? And they hang on every word and every item that they say or support. There are organizations out there that want to see FCA halted, stopped, and destroyed. And I hear people all the time say, Mac, they're constantly taking God out of the schools. We've taken God out of the schools. You know what? No, we haven't. No, we haven't. We're just looking in the wrong places. Guess what? God's in the schools. You know why? Because of the 25 or 30 students that we have. He's right there. And He's in the school because He's in their lives. And I just have the unique opportunity to work with students like that to carry Bible studies on campuses. And they meet weekly. And it's students reaching students. And it's coaches and teachers reaching coaches and teachers. In Oconee County and Pickens County, we have Bible studies on every campus, middle school and high school campus, except three. Except three. So don't tell me that they're trying to take God out of the schools, because guess what? They can't take God from me. They can't take God from you. Now, they can try to tell you what you need to believe and what you should believe. But guess what? There's no other gospel than the gospel of Christ. That's an absolute fact. And so when I hear that statement, I love to say, you know what? No, no, they're not. No, they're not. We've done a, a, a very good job Of telling, and I said this last week, I'm going to say it again. We've done a very good job of telling our students what they can't do. Now, I've told Dr. Thorsland this a hundred times for the school district of Oconee County. And we're very close, very good friends. We do a very good job of telling them what they can't do, but nobody's telling them what they can do. So I'm telling you this, wherever you're at, Whatever your your sphere of influence is, your workplace, your school, the people that you do life with every single day, guess what? If he's right here, yeah, it, it can be opposed, but it can never be taken away. It can never be taken away. 
And see, this is the whole idea that Paul is going through here with the church of Galatia. He's saying, guys, listen, you have it right here. You've heard the message. You've accepted the gospel of Christ. There are other messages out there. They are trying to get you to believe these other ideas or religions. But you've got to understand something. There is no other gospel like the gospel of Christ. And so I say that to encourage you, I say that also to prepare you, that we as Christians need to understand that we're going to be opposed. We're going to be. And there's a good chance that the only thing that we're going to be told is this is what you can't do because of your beliefs. But I'm here to tell you there is something that you can do. And if it's here, it can't be taken away. And nobody, nobody can stop a movement of God. They can, do, they can go to great lengths. They can spend millions of dollars trying to stop it. But I'm going to tell you something. They will not stop a movement of God. That's not to say other religions aren't out there. Other beliefs aren't out there. They are. But we have to understand as Christians that, guess what? There is no other gospel like the gospel of Christ. Here's a second point. It does not seek nor desire human approval. Does not seek nor desire human approval. You'll see as Paul gets into the the meat of his message there in verse 10, he talks about, and he even poses the question, am I trying... To please humans. Am I trying to please other people or am I trying to please God? Boy, we can relate to that on a daily basis, can't we? Every single one of us, in some way, shape, or form, can relate to that question right there that Paul's asking. Am I trying to please others? Am I trying to please God? You know, that should be a question that we need to ask ourselves daily. Morning and night. We need to ask that question to ourselves. God, am I, am I seeking the approval of others or you? You see, I believe it's the, the power of the gospel that gives us the freedom to not look at what other people think. But we only look at God's stamp of approval. And that's the only stamp of approval that we need. And that's what I love about Paul's life and the way that he lived his convictions out. Is here was a man that persecuted the church. God radically transformed and saved his life. And guess what? He didn't care what anybody else thought. He was seeking the approval of God. Now, I'm not saying that we're, we're to live our lives recklessly. I'm not saying that at all. And I'm not saying that we're to go into schools and we're, going to our, we're, we're to go into our workplace and we're to take our Bibles and we're just supposed to bash people upside the head with our Bibles and condemn them for not living out what God's Word teaches us. But I am saying that we're to live our lives. As Christians, I'm supposed to live my life through conviction 
because of the, the, the cross of Christ. And I'm, I'm not supposed to worry about what others think in the opinion of others. Now that sounds great, right? Is it true? Is it reality for me personally? No. You know why? Because I like pleasing people. Because I don't like controversy. I don't like friction in relationships. I like to make peace and make sure everybody's happy. And sometimes I do that at my own expense. Because I'm so worried about what other people think that I forget about the approval of Christ. So wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing on a daily basis, guess what? The only approval that you need is the approval of God. And others can have their opinions, they can have their beliefs, and guess what? They're entitled to it. But guess what? There's no other gospel like the gospel of Christ. And He's the only one that I seek approval from. And it's okay to tell somebody, whether they're from the Freedom of Religion Foundation or the ACLU or whoever it may be, it's okay to tell them, you know what? I respect what you believe and why you believe it. Even though I may not agree with it, I respect that. And I'm going to ask you, even though you don't agree with what I believe in, and you don't see the gospel of Christ the way I see it, I'm going to ask you to respect that. And guess what? Nine times out of ten, you know what they're going to say? Okay. Okay. Now, does that mean they're going to get off your heels? No. Does that mean they're going to leave you alone? No. But at least they know where you stand. You have to make sure, I have to make sure daily that I understand there's only one seal of approval that I'm looking for and that I desire in my life. And that is the approval of God. Is it going to upset some people? Probably so. Am I going to face opposition? Probably so. But you know what? At the end of the day, when I lay my head down on the pillow, guess what? I only need one approval. And that's God's approval. Here's the third thing. There are other religions out there. I shared a little bit of this Friday morning at Pickens High School with their FCA. And there were about 50 students there. And, and I asked this question. I said, guys, tell me something. Is there value in other religions other than the gospel? Is there value in those religions? And every single one of them did this. There's no value. And I said, well, hey, let me, let me throw this out there to you. What if I were to tell you there is value in those other religions? And I got some interesting looks. I got some interesting looks from the adults that were in there. I said, wait a minute, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. When you, when you have Hinduism and Islam and Buddhism and, and all these other isms out there, 
There is value in them morally. Some. Not all. But some. Here's what sets Christianity apart. And it's the third point. It has eternal value. That's what sets my beliefs, my faith in Christ, apart from any other, is the fact that it has eternal value. When you look at the other religions out there, a lot of them are what? Man-made? Right? They're man-made. That's the difference between faith in Christ and the isms out there. Is that they are all man-made. They're all man-thought of and man-dreamed up. They're all man-made. Where I... And even you, guess what? You were made, Genesis 1 says that you were made in the image of God. You were made in the image of God. You weren't made to, to look like an ostrich or a giraffe or a fish. You were made in God's image. And guess what? Because of that, because you are created by God, God has a specific purpose and a specific plan for your life already mapped out. The course is laid out. Where these, these other religions out there, guess what? They, they made their own God, so guess what they were able to do? They were, they were able to set their own standards. They were able to set their own course. Come up with these crazy wild ideas. Of living in another dimension. And all, all these crazy things out there. And guess what? We have God's standard right here. Everything we need. You guys saw a, a beautiful picture last Sunday when we were able to present all of our students with one of these Bibles. And I really believe this is one of the, the, the greatest tools in a study Bible that I've ever owned. And this whole idea of questions. I'll tell you, when, when I came face to face with this question of, are there is there value in other religions? My response was no. I've been to school, I've been through training, I've studied other religions. But when you boil it down to the core of is there value in other religions, and this Bible asks that question and has a great, about a half page in this Bible description of why they do. But then it counters that by saying... The one thing that separates Christianity from other religions is Christ. He is the anchor. He is the difference maker. He is the one that sets it apart from any other religion. The fact that He came, He lived, He died, and then He rose again for our sins sets it apart.
And so why do I believe there's no other gospel like the gospel of Christ? Because it has eternal value. Here's the last thing, and then we're finished. It produces life change. It produces life change. You see that Paul is diffuting that this whole idea of other religions and other beliefs that are out there. But, but the thing that he uses to drive his point home about the gospel and the, the life-changing power of the gospel is what? His testimony. So wherever you're at in your life, again, your, your sphere of influence, the people that, that you're with every single day, the greatest message when it comes to the power of the gospel in sharing is what? Your testimony. Your testimony. Now, do we have a testimony like Paul's? Maybe not. But we share one thing in common with Paul. And that's the life-changing power of the gospel. Now, where we came from, what we've gone through, and our conversion experience may be completely different. But there's one thing that has happened. It's happened in my life. I hope it's happened in your life. And that's the life-changing power of of the gospel and being convicted of sin and made aware of my need of a savior Paul begins to share his testimony a little bit just briefly in verses 13 through 17 and here's the thing here's the beautiful thing about Paul Paul was being trained up in 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 the law of Judaism Right? I mean, that's what the Bible is saying. And Paul was so schooled, so educated in, in Judaism that, that he was even beyond those guys in his class. Those guys his age. So if there was anybody that knew it, it was Paul. And Paul knew it well. And he had developed this reputation over time of being... Uh, a, a crucifier, if you will, of the church. He persecuted the church. That's what he lived for. That's what he loved. That's what he was passionate about. That's what satisfied him, was stopping the message of the gospel. Let me stop right there and just tell you of these organizations that we face. And I don't just face them personally because of what I do. You face them daily too. You just may not see it every single day. But you face them. Can I tell you something? They can be stopped. And I don't mean that in a negative way. We can pray for them. And we can continue to share the love of Christ. And guess what? I'm fully confident that at some point, someday, sometime, Christ will be revealed in their hearts to them. How do I know that? Because you look at the life of Paul. And Paul was a man that in that society, during that time, during that day, guess what? If, if the conversation were ever had, do you ever think Paul will accept Christ? 
It was unanimous. There's no way. There's absolutely no way that that man, being who he is, doing what he does, will ever come to know Christ. There's just, it's impossible. Hey, guess what? You can't deny the power of the gospel. Because even Paul was saved by the power of the gospel. Y'all know the story in Romans, right? The Damascus Road, where he's blinded by the light. I hope that you've had that experience in your life, the, the life-changing power of the gospel. You may not be driving down the road and be blinded by the light, but I pray that at some point in your walk, in your life, that you have seen and experienced the life change that the power of the gospel can produce. Will it be easy? No, it's not going to be easy. You'll be opposed. Satan loves nothing more than to nip at our heels and trip us up. He loves nothing more than to disguise anything he can around us to win a battle against us. But I'm here to tell you, you cannot dispute the power and the life change that the gospel produces. Can't dispute it. And it's my prayer that for this church and our family here at this church, that that's the way that we live our lives. That we live our lives in such a way that when people see us, they have questions. They may oppose it, they may not. But they ask questions. And we live it in such a way that when people see us, they understand that we're not seeking their approval. We're seeking the approval of God. And that they see that there's eternal value in the relationship that we have with Christ. They see that eternal value. And because of that eternal value, they see life change. I love this, this quote that I found. And if you guys get the, uh, the little devotional books, the Stand Firm devotional books, if you don't, I encourage you to get them. And I, I know they're out there. I don't know that there's any out here. There may be. Um, but I get that monthly. The church orders, I don't know how many, but anyway. It's, it's a resource for men. It's a devotional for, for the days, the, the midweek, uh, not the weekends, but Monday through Friday. And, and I like to read those. Women, they have the same thing for you. And one quote, several, several days ago, I found this quote. And it talks about the gospel and what the gospel produces. And here, here's the last part. Of, of your fill-in-the-blanks. And J.D. Greer said this, Gospel change is the Spirit of God using the story of God to make the beauty of God come alive in our hearts. I'll say that one more time. Gospel change is the Spirit of God using the story of God to make the story uh, the beauty of God come alive in our hearts. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's the gospel message that I've been given. 
Hopefully that's the gospel message that you've been given as a Christian. To share daily with a lost and dying world. I'm going to tell you something you already know. We live in a dark, desperate, dying world that is in need of a Savior. For the church of Galatia, guess what? That came in the form of Paul. Paul was bold. He was brass. But guess what? He was also humble and peaceful. It's my prayer, church, that we become more like Paul. In our daily walk, we become more like Paul. We stand on what we know and what we believe because God's Word says it. And we don't go left or we don't go right. We stay right on that path because that's God's message. And we live that out daily with conviction, seeking the approval of only one, and that's God. I'm going to pray with you. Dean's going to come up. He's going to lead us in a song of invitation. So if you would, just bow your heads, close your eyes. I know we've all been through a lot, some more than others. But I want you to understand this. There's nothing like the gospel of Christ. There's nothing better than knowing Christ as your Savior. I pray you've done that. If you haven't, I invite you to come forward and make that happen. Don't make Christ just Lord of your life. Make Him Savior too. Make Him your Savior and your Lord. God, we thank You so much for the opportunity this morning. Thank You for the opportunity that we have to study Your Word, to be challenged, to be convicted, and to be changed by it. What an incredible, incredible opportunity to see Paul's writings, to see your work in and through his life, and the way that he was tactful, the way that he was humble, and his calling out of the church of Galatia. God, we know, we know that there is no other gospel like the gospel of Christ. But God, help us to live our lives in such a way, not allowing other things, other beliefs, other religions to creep in and muddy our thoughts and beliefs. God, help us to stand firm and to be solid in our walk and our faith in you. God, I pray for the work that you're doing in hearts and lives right now. 
May you have your will. May you have your way. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. 249.